You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti. I'm the producer and host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the ABA Mid-Year Meeting at the George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston. Joining me now is Judge Tony Clark. She's a member of the Judicial Division of the ABA, and uh, she is also the immediate past chair of the National Conference of State Trial Judges, which is uh, under the uh, auspices of the Judicial Division, but I'm going to have her explain that. She joins us today for from Maryland. Thank you for uh, being with us today. Good morning. So let me ask you a question real quick uh, before we get started. Uh, where do you preside on the bench? Uh, I'm a circuit court judge in Prince George's County, Maryland, which is right next door to Washington, D.C. Um, yesterday, I celebrated 17 years uh, on the bench. And uh, our court is a general jurisdiction court. We do everything. Um, I could start a Monday with a murder trial and on Wednesday do a motor torts case and on Thursday or Friday do a domestic case. So um, We do a little bit of everything. That's a lot, a lot to keep up with. It is a lot. That's great. So wanted to ask you uh, about the uh, the National Conference of State Trial Judges. Just uh, I, there's a lot of uh, leadership structure here. I've gotten a little bit of a skinny on it. So can you explain to me all the different conferences that um, that are underneath the auspices of the Judicial Division? All right. Well, first of all, you have to understand that the American Bar Association has uh, many conferences, uh, divisions. Uh, councils. Um, the judicial division is one of the d- divisions within the American Bar Association. Within the judicial division, there are six conferences. Um, there is, and they're all national conferences of something. So you have the National Conference of Appellate Judges. You have the uh, Administrative Law Judges Conference. You have Specialized Court Judges Conference. You have um, the Federal Judges Conference. And you have, um, actually, we have a Lawyers Conference, which is very helpful because a lot of times there are issues that judges cannot directly address, and the Lawyers Conference is very helpful to us in that regard. And then we have, last but not least, the Conference of State Trial Judges, and that is the conference that I am active in and am the immediate past chair of, of that conference. Um, so that's the that's the six conferences within uh, the judicial division, and uh, we're very active. And of course, uh, issues that come up that impact the judicial system, judges in particular, uh, we get very active, and, and often we're sought out to um, for advice or input regarding those issues that come up during the in, within the ABA. Well, it sounds like a very busy group. About how many members do you have? Well, our conference, I think, has last count was about eleven hundred, give oh, or wow. take. That's just one of the conferences. That's just one of the conferences, wow. and we're we are the largest conference. Um, and so I'm I'm not sitting here now. I'm not sure exactly how many judicial division members, but we're a large group. And but we're not. I mean, we're by far not the largest within the ABA. I mean, we're really one of the smaller ones within the ABA. But we have loud voices. So <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you you are the judges. So we we accept that. That's well. great. So uh, let me ask you a question I, 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 um, about, uh, now we, we were talking before, uh, just before the interview, and you were telling me a little bit about the Judicial Clerkship Program. So uh, please, uh, please share with our listeners what that's all about. All right. Well, um, years ago, the American Bar Association, through some of the uh, diversity entities, you know, looked at what was coming down the pipeline in terms of diversity. Um, and so we... I say we. I was not part of the creation, but um, I've been involved for a very long time with the program. But they created a program, and it's jointly sponsored by the Council for Racial and Ethnic Diversity in the Educational Pipeline 
and the judicial division. And so what we do is at the mid-year meeting, we invite law schools to send um, students to participate in a simulated clerkship relationship. The idea is, is that the law schools send a diverse group of students. They can, I'll, I'll explain how we get this, the, the law schools sure. involved, but I'll, let me first explain the, the program. So the students come in, um, usually on a Thursday, and what we do in advance is we create a fact pattern, a research exercise that is based on an actual case that's pending before the United States Supreme Court. And then we hope that they don't decide it before the mid-year meeting. Okay. Um, and so we create the fact pattern, and the students come in, and they and at our opening session, we have had so much support from the overall ABA that we get the president comes, the the president elect comes, the executive director comes, the the um, you know a lot of what I call the dignitaries of the ABA show up and 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 actually come and introduce themselves and talk with the students, which is really important for the students to understand you know, a little bit of, about the face of the ABA. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity. It, it is. They, they, I mean, some of them, I don't think, realize how fortunate they are to be part of this program. They do when they leave, but when they're coming in, they have no idea. I think that's just part of being a law student. I remember <laughs> yeah. uh, when I was in law school, I could not see past two weeks. Yeah. Because that's yeah. all that it's, mattered. I just had to get through the second week. And you then know? the exams. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, they come in, they, we have a session where they meet those folks, and then um, we have an opening panel to discuss what actually do law clerks do. And through the course of the program, it's usually about five law students to maybe three to four judges. And ju- we have judge and lawyer volunteers who come in to help with this program wow. to, because they're part of the, I mean, you, you can't simulate a, ju- a judicial clerkship relationship if you don't have the judges. Um, Are you getting your attorneys from your, uh, the conference that has the, the conference, our lawyers conference, but also, you know, some judges, some, some jurisdictions have lawyers instead of law clerks. So we, you know, when we identify the lawyers who, who work for the judges, we, they are sometimes part of the panel because, you know, it, the idea is to get students to think a little bit more about the potential for doing a clerkship. You know, what we have found is that, you know, some of these students have issues, whether it's diversity issues or discrimination issues or um, just they don't have the best grades or they're evening students like I was and working during the day and so your grades are, you're not going to be the top 2% of your class. It's very difficult to do that. They're not encouraged to look at a clerkship. It's not that they're discouraged, they're just not encouraged. And so if nobody tells them about it, they don't even think that they're, you know, eligible to clerk. I mean, you know, so this this program is designed to get a diverse group of students to come in, see what it's all about, talk with judges, and get an idea of what the judges look for in in clerks, because we all look for different things. And really, at at the end of the day, which is um, coming up uh, for for this mid-year program, do an outline of what they think the decision is going to be. And so it, it's not only actually working through an issue, but it's also um, getting a feel for the exchange, the interaction between, you know, a law clerk and a judge. Um, the judges love it. They get as much out of it as the students do. It's really exciting. Wherever we go for our mid-year meeting, and we only do it mid-year meeting because school's not in session in the summer, so it doesn't really make sense. And we have a, ABA has way too much going on. During, at an annual meeting to do this, but um, we also um, arrange for them to hear actual oral arguments at an appellate court in the jurisdiction where we are. So wow. yesterday morning, we went to um, 
the uh, first and fourth circuit courthouse here in Houston, and I forget the name of the courthouse, and it's newly renovated, so I really feel bad about that, but <laughs> a beautiful building. We uh, made contact with the uh, Chief Justice, and she was fabulous. Um, I-, I thank her for that, and Justice Frost. So we took them for or- actual oral arguments. They heard a criminal case and a civil case. Oh, wow. And then afterwards, the staff attorneys and the law clerks came over from both the 1st and the 14th, because we were actually l- listening to the 14th Circuit. Um, arguments, um, and they all came over, and we did a Q and A, and then the judges came out and did a Q and A. I mean, they they couldn't ask specifics about the case, but they were. It was very, it was just very interactive. I got a lot out of it. I hope the students did. They seem to have enjoyed it, and you know, it's it's some of them really have never stepped foot in the courtroom, so um, we've been fortunate to do that at every mid year meeting and every you know annually. Um, I think one year we were in a city where we didn't have a courthouse, appellate courthouse. So we created two cases and we did role playing and we actually just created uh, an oral argument. So it wasn't quite the same, but it was, you know, it was, I thought it was pretty good. So anyway, I've been involved in this program probably at least a good 10 years. And this is our 15th anniversary. So um, we have a newsletter that maybe I'll see if we can put it online and maybe have a link to it, but um, it's great. Um, Justice Frank Sullivan, who's now retired uh, and is a professor at Indiana, and I forget which of the Indiana law schools, and he's probably not going to be happy with me for not remembering (laughs) that, but great judge, great friend. He is one of the creators of the program, and he is the one who pushed and got the entities to sponsor it. Now, as far as how we get the students. Yes, I was getting ready to ask you that. We set out a packet to the deans of the law schools or the... So all, all ABA-accredited schools? Yeah, or yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I'm not sure if we actually send all of them a packet, but we send an announcement, and it's a little bit of who the, you know, some of the judges are, have affiliations with law schools, and so we, we get packets out. Um, Is and, it, and, uh, like, what tiers? Is it all tiers of the ABA? Like, uh, of the ABA-accredited schools, like Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3? Yeah, well, any law school that... I mean, you know, so, some schools are, you know, historically black institutions, and some are, you know, we know that they're minority, you know, primary minority schools, um, and we try to reach out to them. Okay. Um, but we reach out any any law school, any law school. Whether or that, not it's accredited by the ABA. No, or not. It, ha- it has to be accredited. Okay. As far as I know, I mean, that actual part of it, I'm, I don't get involved so much in that part. But what happens is, is that. We send out a packet in April, and we explain the way it works. And so typically, the law school has to commit to doing this for a three-year period. Okay. It costs them $3,000 a year, and they can send up to six students. They have to pay for their students to come and pay for their accommodations. Um, So that's the expense to the law school. And that $3,000 goes towards the expenses of putting the program on. We do not get involved in how the law schools select the students. However, we make it very clear that this is part of a, an ABA Goal 3 initiative, which is their diversity initiative, which is the ABA's diversity initiative. Okay. And I don't have all the, in front of me, I don't have like all the, the actual criteria, but the idea is, is that we, we need to have a more diverse bar, bench, and bar which starts with law students. So we make it clear to the school that that's our goal, is to be compatible, keep 
ABA goal three in mind as you go through your selection process. And, and usually by the end of the calendar year, they submit uh, to us the names of the students. And then we, you know, once we know who they are, they get communication from our staff and show up on Thursday. That's great. So that's generally how we, now I, I would be remiss if I did not say this. This is hugely possible because LexisNexis is our big sponsor. They bring in all the computers because a component of this is for them to, after we talk through the issue, law students go out and do the research. And so LexisNexis brings in the computers. They bring the computers? They bring their computers. And they allow, they, uh, do and they the open stu- up the search for the... Yes. They, well, they, 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 give anyway them ac- the they give them access. Most of them come with their own access codes anyway, but if they don't, they give them an access code and they go out and do the research. They bring the printers. They bring all the resources that you, you have to have in order to do the research. That's a really great and thing. And print out the stuff, you know. Well, that's fantastic. So, that's fantastic. And, and they've, been, they've been with us from day one. It, it really is a great program. I mean, I think it's one of the best... And I don't know all the programs that go on ABA, so I can't say the best, but it's it's certainly, in my mind, one of the best and certainly one of the best diversity programs that, that we well, have. Let me ask you this, because our listeners are comprised mostly of legal professionals, and we're hoping that some law students are listening right now as well. And so um, it sounds like a very rewarding program for judges, for attorneys, and for law students. So uh, can you summarize in like the best reason for each category, so the best reason for an attorney to be part of it, best part you know the best reason for a judge and a law student to be part of it well the best reason for a law student to be part of it is because they get to meet a lot of folks who run the ABA Um, they get to get at least a little taste of how the ABA um, runs they get to meet judges from all over the country so you know if they want to if they're in New York and want to go work in L.A., they can meet a judge from L.A. and maybe get a clerkship. Well, I hope the um, law students are listening to that part. Yeah. yeah. For the judges, um, they all, I mean, it used to be we had to work to get volunteers. Now they're like, okay, w- when do I sign up for the clerkship program? Because oh, they get, Because it's a mutual exchange, really. Um, personally, I get energized when I'm working with young people. And um, I really like to see them be excited about the profession. And I think I see that when they're going through the process. What are the best things that you've learned from working with the uh, the law students? <laughs> Electronic electronics. Oh, really? Technology. Okay, great. That's great. I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm not that old, but I'm not so young that I'm so versed in all the. I mean, they come in and they've got all the gadgets and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, but I also learn, you know, some of the issues that are going on in the law schools, um, and and it, it it gives me a feel for. You know what they're up against, and I mean, you know, you you hear about the economy and jobs right, being tight right. and all that, and you kind of know that, but you, after talking with them, you really get a sense of, you know, of what's really going on out there. Um, you know, law school applications are down, the numbers, are, you know, students are down. So I mean, you know, those all are economy-driven kinds of situations, and and so you know, it's a little rough for them, um, but I like to feel like I can encourage them in some manner, and I think. This program gives them a little step up over like their some of their classmates. Oh, agreed, agreed. Um, but our judges love it. They just like you know. Did you know? You know, we have conversations. Did you know that this law school is doing that, or that you know it's, or did you hear about this program that's going on in this law school? And um, you know, and a lot of the judges take pride in getting their their law schools to participate. I have my undergraduate schools here and my law schools here. So oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. 
Well, so I got to ask you this because the magic word of the ABA is volunteer. It yes. seems like the best programs and the best member benefits and you know contributions to law come from volunteers, which is I, it's just astounding to me. We're all very busy people, and you know you get the the right the right sort like yourself to come in and volunteer your time. So I got to ask you, how much time? I mean, is, along with being you know a, a judge full time, that's your career, and that's a full time job. You're volunteering for the ABA. How much time do you volunteer per week for the ABA? Per week, oh. Uh, you know, it, it averages out because some weeks I don't do any ABA stuff. Sure. Um, and then maybe as we get closer to an event or, or or meeting, I might, you know, there might be, there will be more hours put in. Um, but I, I, I would say on a monthly basis, I probably, and I do it after hours. Um, so nights and weekends. <laughs> yeah. Or early mornings, which I'm not too fond of, but sometimes we have to do it because we do conference calls people are all over the country so sometimes you know we do depending on where people are you know we, we try to accommodate east coast central west coast but i don't know i you know i can't even put a number i maybe 10 15 20 hours you know a month That's it, still a lot of time you know and then i'm involved in other associations as well oh which other ones are you involved in well the national national association of women judges okay wow um some of my yeah that's a Great group. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking about how stretched your week must be with all this involvement. So you got the well, National Association of Women Judges. Women Judges. And, and what are the other groups? Uh, well, my local minority and specialty bars, and my my county bar and state bar. And sometimes they they just ask me to be on a panel or you know prepare a program, you know something like that. So so if I'm doing something like that, then yeah, uh, there'll be more time. Um, I, I periodically put together um, a class for our local judicial institute because our judges are required to have two days a year of judicial institute and we put it put it on so um, every other year I've done one of those as well put a class it depends on the topic but so that takes a little bit of time but you know it's good I mean I, I just think that in order to have you know a strong diverse bar and bench, but you know, lawyers, um, because that's at that stage, that's what we're talking about young lawyers. Um, that you know, they have to have access to programming, people who can help them, and that's an important, it's important. That's fantastic. I've got one last question for you, and so, uh, I think it's pretty clear that being part of the, the, uh, the judicial division has is, is helped you, um, and as you've been helping others. But I want to, I'm asking everybody this question. What is the best way or best three ways, whatever you could give me that being part of the, the judicial division has uh, done for you in your career? Well, I, I think one of the good things is that seeing what's happening across the country in the judiciary, you know, some states have had attacks on judges, either generally or directly. Um, you know, states have um, finance, you know, budget issues, and to see how different states address those issues across the country is very helpful. Um, sometimes it makes me appreciate more what I have. Um, sometimes it gives me, us, because there are other judges from Maryland who are very active, gives us ideas of how we can do things differently or better in our jurisdictions. And so I think, you know, from that perspective, it's it's been invaluable. I've met a lot of great friends, you know, when I retire, I want to retire to something. So you never know how these relationships can develop into, you know, something post-bench. Uh, so, the, I mean, they're just the friendships, uh, the ability to meet people from across the country. 
and the world, actually. I mean, National Association of Women Judges, for example, has an international component. So every other year we do something internationally. Oh, so, great. Um, so, you know, being active, and I will tell you, from, you know, when I first started out as a, actually I started out as a paralegal in a law firm and started law school, and um, one of the managing partners started taking me to bar association functions, and he said to me that the best way to be a good lawyer is to be active, one of the best ways, besides honing your skills, but to be active in bar association activities. Um, you meet a lot of people, you get a lot of insight, you, you know, um, and he was right, and I've sort of been doing it all along. Okay. Well, it looks like we reached the end of our program for today. I want to thank Judge Tony Clark for joining us. Um, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, have some questions, how can they reach out to you? T. Clark, Clark with an E on the end, dot N C S T J at Comcast.net. Okay, okay, <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.